Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. All right, so I don't have any notes for this podcast, which is rare. Normally, I try to script as much of it as I can so that I have an idea of what I'm doing. Um, Kind of the idea is I've been wanting to get your testimony. So I do these interviews that I put on my podcast where I I, uh, try to get with men that have spent their life serving the Lord and kind of go just ask some questions to walk them through their testimony. And uh, I've been wanting to do that with you. <clears throat> I didn't think I'd ever get to do it with you. And so, <laughs> uh, so now I, I thought it'd be neat if we did the father and son together. No. Because, yeah. <laughs> That's one of the unique, unique things about this ministry. Good cop, bad cop. Right. <laughs> good is relative, I suppose. <laughs> there is none good. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that, you know, that's the thing. So that one of the u- unique things about this ministry is that at one point you had, a, you know, the, f- the father and mother here serving the Lord and every one of the children here serving the Lord. And, and that's a very unique thing. It's actually um, when it comes to missions in Uganda, the census name is, is heavily attached to that. And, and, you know, a lot of people kind of look at it that way. And we have a lot of people who who grow up in the Christian world and they don't think their testimony is valid because they didn't go out and live a filthy, dirty life. And um, God said, I would that you, you were simple concerning evil, not, you know, well-versed in it. And so, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, one, one time I, I was preaching one time and uh, I was talking about how my past causes me so much trouble because I, I went in depth into sin and people come up to me and they say, but don't you think that makes you who you are today? And I said, yeah, that's the problem. (laughs) That's not a benefit. (laughs) That's the problem is that I am who I am today because of the stupid things that I got myself into and, and and it would be better if we didn't do those things. So they don't know the inside. Right. Right. Now, does it occasionally give me an opportunity maybe to minister to somebody in a way that other people couldn't? Sure. Mm -hmm. But God's intent was not for you to go defile yourself so that you can learn how to right. minister to people who are defiled. The mm-hmm. Bible can minister to anybody if, if yeah. anybody will pick it up and yeah. and do that. So, uh, so that's kind of the 
the premise of this. And so I guess, Brother Brian, if you don't mind, um, <clears throat> we'll start with you. Uh, where did you grow up and and what was the religious atmosphere like for you growing up? Some people will question whether I did. <laughs> well. um, I was born and raised in Kansas on a farm. Closer. Okay, got it. Uh, was born and raised in church. Didn't know basic things about God, you know, just Christmas, Easter, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Went over to the military. Uh, got stationed in, in Vietnam uh, twice, and then I—I mm. I just pictured myself falling into hell at night. I, I just scared to death, you know. I uh, the wickedness that goes on even in ships and stuff—you you can't imagine. Sure. But so I made an appointment to go see the chaplain, and I went down there, and just like I'm sitting across the desk from you. I said, sir, I don't know if I've committed the unpardonable sin or what. <laughs> I mean, that's how much I knew. Right. But but my life's a mess. Sure. He looked over across the desk at me, and he said, sailor, you're homesick. That's wow. all he could tell me. Wow. And I walked out of there, and I, I, I was lost. I, I didn't. All I knew is this guy didn't have the answers. Mm-hmm. And I, I still needed them. Uh, I was able to get transferred to Spain and got over to road to Spain. And, and uh, this guy, Eddie Woodfield, had started a church. He was behind my missionary at the time and had started a church for military folks. And a drinking buddy of mine that was, we wouldn't even go there at a lot of their parties. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. so bad. And... He got me talked into going out to church. Uh, he'd gotten saved, and that's a long story in, in itself, but he got saved, and I saw such a difference in Chris's life. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I couldn't, there was no answer to it. They, you couldn't figure it out, you know, and, and, but he got me talked into going to church when I was drunk one night, and, and he come and picked us up, and, Went out there, and for the first time in my life, I mean, I've been in church all my life. Perfect attendance, year after year after year after year. After year. Now, when you when you say uh, you went to church, what what was the Lutheran background? Church. Lutheran, okay. Yeah, yeah. Our Savior Lutheran Church, Norway, Kansas. Uh, married in Lutheran Church. Mm. All this, you know, we go to church, big old hangover, everything. It didn't, nobody cared. <laughs> you know, we go caravan. Have our flask in our in our jackets and everything. Uh, it, it just it was a life of hypocrisy, you, yeah. you know. And, but even then, you look at each other and you say, "This can't be the the, the truth. It can't be reality. It can't be the the answer." Mm -hmm. So after the uh, uh, chaplain. Said that I got I got orders to Spain. Brother Woodfield started a church there, and and Chris took us out to church, and I heard the gospel, and I, I remember <laughs> I didn't care if the King of Spain was there. <laughs> I needed what they had, and I went forward, and I didn't I'd never heard the term born again before. Wow. 
I had never seen a gospel track. I didn't know anything about the, the, the Bible at all. And when Brother Woodfield saw me coming forward, he met me down front. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I, he just said, come forward. And, and he said, what would you come forward for? <laughs> if you've never heard the word saved, you've never heard the word born again, if you don't know right. that, what are you going to say? Sure. I told him, all I know is I need Jesus. Amen. And James Dunn took me over in a little Sunday school room and set me down in some wicker chairs there. And I was so broken. Mm -hmm. It took him about 45 minutes to just get me calm enough, present the gospel to me. I was going to hell. Yeah. And and I I don't think a lot of folks when they supposedly get saved have any idea of hell. They and we were talking about our past life. When you're a good little boy, it's hard to see yourself as a sinner. Mm -hmm. But when you're at the bottom, Yeah, it don't it don't take it's no a lot look, but to up. realize <laughs> the the grace of God and and how good He is. Amen. And I received Christ as my Savior that day, and I remember going home and sitting there on the couch, and I said, "Man, did I say the right word?" <laughs> so I got on my couch and I, I prayed and asked Christ to save me again. I, you know, but. From that point, oh, life has, has absolutely been wonderful. Amen. Wonderful. Now, from from there, when you after you trusted in the Lord, uh, what direction did the you know how, how did you get your family on board? How did you, what did you how did you tell them this and 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 what did they think about it and and how did how did that go? My wife went forward in the same service that I did. And Amen. she had no idea why she didn't, you know, nothing. She didn't get saved for a couple of years later. Oh, wow. When we was in Bible college. Okay. But I got saved. I, I just got a real burden for the rest of the military guys. I said, man, they're just like me. I mean, I was in a rodeo club, you know. So I had a bunch of my rodeo friends over. And, and you know, these guys are riding bulls and and Bronx and stuff like this, a rough crowd, and I'm playing Doug Oldham and and, and talking about Jack Van Impey and stuff like <laughs> this, you know, when he was straight. Yeah. And, and I never had to leave my friends. I never had to separate. They separated from us. Right, right. And, and, but, you know, God just really burdened my heart for them, so I, I, I got out of the military. It was through the death of my dad. I got a hardship discharge okay. after eight years. Um, went back, helped mom on the farm uh, for a while, and then ended up uh, uh, at Tennessee Temple uh, when Dr. Robertson was in control. And I walked in that place. I didn't know there was that many Christians in the world. <laughs> you know, there's about 1,500 people, I think, or 2,000, something like that. Wow. And I enrolled in Bible college there and, and started taking one of, the, one of the greatest New Testament survey 
Dr. Bruce Lackey, one of the greatest professors in history. And I was flunking out because I was so taken up by what he was teaching. I'm just, I'm, I'm just ever hanging on every word and forgetting to take notes. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, I, well, I've got to restructure this. And ended up graduating there. I did my deputation the, uh, the last year I was in college. Uh, while I was in college, that was fun. Full-time job, you know, picking up cigarette butts in the parking lot to emptying trash to whatever we could do. Yeah. Plus, dentist office. Yeah. <laughs> plus, in uh, you know, going to school full time and then on deputation full time. And about a month after we graduated, we was in Spain. Now, how old were you when you when you went into college? I went in. I got out of the military when I was twenty six. Okay. And. Uh, I uh, come back and graduated uh, uh, there in about two and a half years. I just, you know, crammed as much as we could, and we wanted to get to the field. And so got over the mission field there in Spain and started working with Brother Woodfield, the guy that uh, I was saved under. Uh, and I was there to preach, I, you know. My buddy had, he was in Christian education. I said, what is that? <laughs> so I got over there and the first thing I walked in, Brother Woodfield handed me the ACE manual and said, you're another principal of the school. <laughs> so it wasn't exactly what I had sure, envisioned, sure. but it was good. I had to learn a lot of that stuff and the importance of it and uh, dealing with, with people. That helped, helped an awful lot. And being trained under, under Eddie, he taught me how to study the Bible, Amen. and uh, boy, it's, it, that is that changed everything. Because when I went to the field, uh, we mailed all of our books and everything, and all my notes from college and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, none of them made it, so <laughs> I had oh, my no. Bible. Wow! And that's that was the best thing that ever happened. Yeah, and so. Worked with him for about a year, and then he come in one day and said, uh, by the way, he said, uh, I'm going to Italy, or to Sicily, I think it was, to, to start a church. And so I ended up becoming pastor. I was three years old in the Lord. Wow. And uh, scared to death, and I made so many mistakes, and and my preaching, you know, it I look back at some of the sermons that I preached because I still got some of the, mm -hmm. the notes and everything. I actually apologized to some of my people that I met. <laughs> I said, how in the world right. did you people ever put up with me? And they said, well, we were just brand new Christians. We were learning right along with you, right. you know, and and many of them. We baptized over 500 people in four years. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And they're all over the world serving God. Praise the Lord. And, and that's what's exciting. It's not what you do when you're there. But is there something continuing? Certainly. And, and that's what I think pastors in America forget. Uh, and missionaries. You know, we're going to be there. We're going to train ourselves, and, uh, you know, and a pastor, and, and nobody can do it like I can do it, and nobody knows as much as I know, and you just get this whole scenario. I, I, there's guys in the Philippines who've been there for 40 years, 
and hasn't haven't turned their church over to a national. Mm-hmm. You know, we got a missionary over there. He's he's responsible for over twelve hundred churches being started now. I, somebody's got the wrong mission philosophy. <laughs> you know, it's not what we do; mm-hmm. it's what continues on. Sure, and, and and that's why we tried to build all of our churches here in Uganda, not on me, not on who I am, what I am, how much I know, how much I don't know, how much money I have, all of these things, but it's building that work on Jesus Christ. Right. So, but after we was in military for eight years, military ministry, starting churches outside of military bases in Spain and uh, there in Torhon Road and uh, just several Zaragoza, different places, and uh, and then the bases started closing, so we come back to the states and uh, and ended up taking a pastor in Missouri for about three years. We doubled the size of the church and quadrupled their missions. And man, I'd even turned down a couple of raises. They we were just doing great and. Mm-hmm. But that's when God got a hold of my heart and said, you're going, going to Africa. Wow. And been here ever since, pretty much. Wow. Now, so, so his testimony obviously is connected to your testimony. <laughs> so uh, dare I ask, what was life for you like growing up? And <laughs> what was the religious atmosphere? <laughs> well, I tell people I was born... Uh, at an early age. Home. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> With a dad. Under the, who, under the law. <laughs> yes, yes. And, uh, you know, I was, I was very glad that um, yeah, I don't remember, I honestly don't remember what life, I was five years old when, when my dad got saved. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember that life gotcha. very much. Um, you know, he tells me, you know, what things that he would do and, you know, training me to go to the fridge to get a beer for him when he got home yeah. and stuff like that. Now, you don't do that anymore, right? Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's just soda water now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Have my kids trained to do yeah. that. Yeah. But, uh, but so I'm, I'm glad that I don't remember that. Uh, and I, I just, I have no recollection of that lifestyle. Right. Um, my first recollections of my early life was when my dad was in college. Okay. And uh, there in uh, Chattanooga. Actually, I remember a little bit of when you were on the farm there in the rock house, <laughs> you know, a little bit about that. But, um, but I, you know, dad kind of took the motto of the Navy. It's not just a job, it's an adventure. Okay. You know, and, and that's what the ministry was like okay. in our family. It wasn't just a job, it was an adventure. Amen. And uh, so the things that we got to do on the on the mission field and the places we got to go and I, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything, Mm -hmm. you know, the, seeing the ministries grow, um, you know, I, I don't remember a whole lot about when we were in Germany, but when we were in Spain and Italy, um, you know, get involved with the American military, uh, it's just, and even today you can, there, there's working with those type of guys, you're working with guys who understand authority, they understand discipline, they understand what it means to 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 work and uh, generally speaking and and so we just are all the church services you know when you've got nothing but 
military in your churches. Right, right. It was just always exciting, yeah. you know, and and always something going on. And so I just, in my memories, you know, growing up on the mission field, um, I don't, I don't honestly have any any bad memories. I don't have any regrets. I don't have any bitterness against the ministry mm-hmm. like a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, Dad always made it fun. We got, we always got involved in the ministry. We worked together. We. You know, we did all kinds of stuff together. In those days, you had to, um, you know, you couldn't have work visas, you know, like we have here in Uganda where we can stay for three years. Uh, there you had to leave the country every six months, you know, to get your passport stamped and stuff. So we always turned it into an adventure, you know. Right. And so we would go to Portugal. We went to Andorra. We went down to Morocco. We went to, uh, I mean, we just, we did so many things. I was just, it was a... And, and so people look at us and say, you know, you're just missing so much. And I'm thinking, most, most kids <laughs> yeah. never have the opportunities that we had to have. Yeah. That we had. I mean, we've been to Sicily, we've been to Switzerland, we've been to Luxembourg, we've been, I mean, everywhere. And it was, and it was in the ministry. Right. And, and as Dad said, you know, we, there was tremendous results spiritually. Uh, but, you know, growing up as a kid, yes, the spiritual was there and I was, but the thing that I remember was dad made the, dad made the ministry and dad made life on the mission field exciting. Amen. And, uh, and, and I think that's one of the reasons why myself, my brothers, my sister, we, we love the ministry and, and, and had a desire to come back to it. Definitely different type of ministry being an African in Europe, mm-hmm. but, uh, but it was, we just, we always had a love relationship with it. Uh, how, how old were you when you came to know the Lord and, and what, what uh, took place that brought that about? Oh, this is a good story. Because, <laughs> you know, hold on. You might have to close your children's ears, yeah, you know, yeah. because of... <laughs> Deep in <laughs> sin. <laughs> uh, no, um, I, <clears throat> when dad, when dad was in Bible college, uh, he, uh, they had a, I don't know all the details. Dad could tell you the details, but they had a program where different Bible college students could help pastor different chapels that were around Chattanooga mm-hmm. there. Okay. And so dad helped to kind of co, was it a co pastor or a co? Oh, kind of just working in the church yeah. with the, yeah, with but guys. it was chair memorial chapel. And is that what mm-hmm. a chair memorial yeah. chapel? And, uh, some guy, I don't even remember his name came and preached on hell. It just scared me to death. Yeah. And I just went forward. I I didn't want to go to hell, you know. <laughs> I prayed whatever I, <laughs> I prayed whatever I knew to pray, you know, and, and so I thought that was salvation. You know, I thought that's right. what I got when I got saved. And so we went to we spent the time in Spain. Uh after Spain went to Germany for a while. After Germany we went down to Italy, started uh dad started Adriatic Baptist Church. And uh, while we're there, God just really started getting a hold of my heart. You know, I, I knew I was very good, you know, on the outside. And as a matter of fact, when I did get saved, I mean, I can't tell you how many people came. I thought you were saved. You know, I thought, I thought <laughs> yeah. you were saved because on the outside, everything was just the way it was supposed to be. You know, sure. um, I was a pastor's kid, missionary's kid. I never... I never did any vices. I never, I mean, you know, my, my worst thing was 
probably spending too much time reading Hardy Boy books, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know and Louis L'Amour, you know. And I could like give that. you a few others. Yeah, well, I'm sure. You probably could. I'm but, sure. And, then, so, and then what, what would mom tell, like, you know, yeah, when dad wasn't yeah, home? Yeah, and well, <laughs> yeah. Let me remember as I remember. Okay. Who's telling this story? Yeah. <laughs> so, but I remember at nights laying in my bed, scared to death because I was afraid the Lord was going to come. And I remember... At nights, I would go down to my sister's room because she was just a little baby at the time, checking to see if she was still in bed. Wow. You know, because I, I, there was something in me that knew I was lost. I, I knew I was not saved, and uh, and I, but I, everybody thought I was saved. I, I mean, I went soul winning with everybody. I read my Bible. I prayed. I, I did all the things that you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But in my heart, I knew <clears throat> something wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I was obviously in school. I was 14 years old when we were there in Italy, and I hated math. And uh, math was just, I just battled with it. It was my enemy. I, everything else I did fine in, but math was just, ugh. And uh, so going through school and everything, we had a we had an ACE school. And so in our school there, if you're familiar with ACE, each student kind of has their own office block, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so one day I was taking a, a test that, and it was a history test of all things, and I loved history, and, uh, but I couldn't remember uh, some of the answers for the test. And uh, so I kind of looked around to see if the teacher was around. I looked behind, you know, on this side, I looked on the left side, and, and uh, not realizing she was standing right behind me. <laughs> And uh, you remember her, Miss Green. We, oh, yeah. Miss Green. And uh, and so I looked back in the test, wrote the answers down, and there she was. Oh. I mean, just red-handed. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so she said, I'm going to talk to your dad. Well, oh, in those days, dad was <laughs> of the idea that when, the, when, when you get in trouble at school. Sure. <laughs> You're gonna get in trouble at home, yeah. and I knew I was dead. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I knew Dad. I knew what he expected of us as kids, and cheating was. Not I mean, it, it, it was up there with witchcraft, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I knew I was dead. Well, so she said, "I'm going to come talk to your dad," and uh, I said, "Oh man." Well, then I got home and found out that we were having a singles meeting at my house at our house that night. So all the singles in the church were coming over and normally that would be an exciting time. And, uh, but our house was kind of situated on a hill. And so you could see the road coming up. And so I would, you know, help my mom, you know, getting prepared for everything, but I was always watching that road and Miss Green, our teacher, she always rode a bicycle. Okay. And, uh, and so I'd be looking out and trying to see her and, and nobody coming. I, I was just so nervous, you know, just scared to death. And, uh, and pretty soon, I mean, this is when all the singles there were trying to have a good time and everything. She comes riding up the hill. Um, have you ever seen the wizard of Oz, you know, with the wicked witch of the West <laughs> on a bicycle, you know, that, that is honestly what went through my mind that day when she was coming up that hill. I, I'm, I'm dead. Well, she came up and, uh, and so she took my mom and dad in the living room and, I guess told the story. He would have to tell you what she told her, but um, pretty soon my my brother Matt comes in and says, "Dad needs to see you in the living room." Oh boy! Oh man, I'm dead. And uh, so I went in the living room there, 
And uh, I thought, you know, I was in big trouble. But Thomas, I'll never forget, Dad never said one thing about cheating. Mm-hmm. He looked at me and he said, Keith, he said, what is your problem? And I said, I said, Dad, I, I, it's school. I just, school, just, I just hate school, you know. He looked at me the second time mm-hmm. and he said, Keith, he said, what's your problem? And uh, I said, uh, it's math. You know, math just, it just gets me, you know, you know, I was just offering excuse after excuse and sure. kind of like Peter, you know, with the Lord, you know, dad asked me the third time, he says, what is your real problem? And I don't know what dad had saw in me. I, I honestly don't because I thought I'd given a pretty good picture on the outside, but he, he knew there was something in me that was wrong. Mm-hmm. And he said, son, he says, what is your real problem? And, uh, and I looked at dad and I'll never forget. I said, dad, I've never been saved. And, uh, and that day, <laughs> I remember the, uh, the living room there, just me on the couch and, and asked the Lord to save me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I got saved, I told people that I got saved, that we, we thought you were saved. And, and honestly, Thomas, before I got saved and after I got saved, looking at me on the outside, there was probably not a whole lot of change. Right. But I'm telling you, on the inside, God changed my attitude. He changed my, my love, my desires. I actually began enjoying school. I began my attitude toward math changed. My attitude toward the ministry changed. And, uh, and so again, it's not one of those, and we were talking about this earlier. And I thank God that I don't have a testimony that right. has the depths of sin into, you know, my mine is cheating, you know, on a test, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but, but I thank God that my dad had the, the spiritual sense to be able to look at me and understand that there was something beyond just cheating, you know, that that was causing these root problems, this, this attitude that I had mm-hmm. and, and God changed that attitude. And, uh, and ever since that day, God just changed my heart and, uh, gave me love for the Lord and love for his word. And, uh, you know, we, we, like he said, we continued serving the Lord there in Italy for a couple of years. We went back to, uh, uh, Missouri where he pastored and mm-hmm. I finished my last year and a half of high school there. And that's where in high school, um, we had a, a a church activity where we we watched the movie Sheffy, mm-hmm. okay. and uh, and that God just used that movie and mm-hmm. the life of Robert Sheffy and God yeah. opened my heart and and I felt that was when God called me to preach. That's a big name around our church. A lot of guy, young guys at our church have gone to visit, uh, you know the his old home and and all of that yet, and then and they watch the movie and they talk about it a lot. So. I've never actually seen it, so I don't know. Oh, I've got it. You need it's it'll 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 stir your heart, brother. Amen. It's just very well done, very put together. I mean it's it's it was I think it was made back in the seventies, okay. you know, but or maybe early eighties, I'm not sure. But um but it was for that time it was very well done and uh and it just got a hold of my heart and God called me to preach. And uh, after I graduated, um my youth pastor there had uh had attended Oklahoma Baptist College and uh taught me into going down and looking at the college and okay. and that was just that was you know talk with my dad that was the desire of my heart that's the direction I wanted to go mm-hmm. it was a very strong uh, missions school mm-hmm. uh, very strong in, in preaching and uh, and so went through there and 
the rest is history. So, Amen. Yeah. Now, there, there seems to be something that I recognize as I move around the Christian world. Uh, parents seem to recognize a lack of salvation in children who grow up in good homes, <laughs> even though other people, it, it's, it's hard for people on the outside to see, but they're just, I've heard a similar story many times where a parent just seems to, to know something is off. So in, in your estimation, what is that? Where, how, where did that come from? Or what, what were you seeing that made you, made you want to question him in that way? Cause it sounds, it, it was, sounds like it was very well done because you didn't, tell him he was lost. You didn't tell him he was saved, but you questioned him in such a way that he had to have the confidence to answer himself. I, I think it's just kind of an, an awareness and, and it comes back to Bible doctrine, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. When you have a biblical set of values, when you have biblical doctrine of holiness. That's why we had the rules we did. That's why we did the things we did. Being holy, you can have a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Holiness is not a negative. Holiness is a positive. Right. And when you have a biblical standard of holiness, you are aware of things. I think the Spirit of God gives you direction and wisdom in, in, in some of those things. I see, I see parents, they're, you know, they're, uh, missionaries, pastors, workers in church, whatever, and they are totally oblivious to their children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now why? It comes back to their standard. If you see nothing wrong in in running down an old lady in the in the aisle, that that shows me where your standards are. Mm-hmm. There's there's not a lack of or, or there is a lack of reverence of that responsibility and things like this. And, and, and so you look at their, their children and, you know, they used to tell me I was too strict on, on, on my kids. They're calling me and asking me why their kids are sodomites, right. asking me why their kids sure. are in jail. Uh, you know, why, 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 what can I do now? It's too late. You, you, you did it. You had a, a wrong, value mm-hmm. of life, mm-hmm. of, of purpose, of uh, when there's no salvation. And I think a lot of the folks, a lot of the people, their, their parents aren't even saved. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're a mission field. I don't care. I've seen missionaries sure. get saved. Sure. Pastors get saved. And you can see it. You know, it doesn't, you might have the doctrinal teaching, but you see the anger. You, you see the, the militants. That's not Christ-like. So on whatever perspect, spectrum you are, and you see the kids not turning out, there's a reason for that. We don't see what goes on in the homes of, 
of, of these people, and we wonder, well, why did their kids turn out right? They raised them right. No, you saw them when they brought them to church. Right. But the rest of the time, you don't know how, how he's treating his wife, how the wife is treating him, how the, they're getting along in the home and things like this. So it, it comes back to that standard, I think, of your, your theology, and, and that determines what you do in the home. We try, we try to be the same at church as we were at home. Right. We had fun at home. We joked around at home. We did it at the church. We're not, we're not hiding nothing. Mm-hmm. And in the ministry, we had fun in the ministry. Were there serious times? Oh, yeah. Many. Mm-hmm. And when it's time to get serious, you get serious. When it's time to have fun, you have fun. Mm-hmm. But don't be a hypocrite and, and act like you're so much different than everybody else. you got problems, too. You know, I hit my... Th- Thumb with a hammer. <laughs> it's going to hurt. <laughs> yeah. So, but your theology is going to carry through in every aspect of your life. And I think so, as you're dealing with your children, the Spirit of God is making you aware of maybe not disobedience, but attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Satan believes and trembles. But be, believing what he believes or knowing what he knows right. does not transfer into that, that action. Your theology will transfer into your home and your children and all of that. So that's, that's the only reason. That we made so many mistakes as, as parents, just like everybody else. But we tried to maintain that, that godly theology. Yeah. Now, to follow up with that, uh, all your children are on the mission field, and all your children so far that have left the home are moving in a direction of service to the Lord. Um, my wife and I, one of the things that terrified us as we were, and when we started, I didn't even know what deputation was. <clears throat> I'd never been to a missions conference. Uh I didn't really know what missions were. I had no idea what I was getting myself into for the most part. And I just kind of, the Lord helped us to figure it out as we went. But as we met other missionaries, we started to become very concerned. <laughs> no, not, not all, you know, that's, I, I don't, you know, this is a very general statement, but <clears throat> we found veteran missionaries that we highly respected and their children were so cold and, and indifferent to Jesus Christ or anything regarding the ministry. And we found some who were even further out, their children just completely abandoned anything to do with God or, or, or Jesus Christ. And then we found some where we, we thought, man, these people should not be on the mission field. And their children were excellent. You know, the children loved the Lord. The children loved what, what they were a part of. Um, if, if you can, if either of you would like to explain that and, and, uh, <laughs> and offer some, some details as to, uh, I guess let's focus on on helping people to to move in a right direction. As missionaries growing up in a, in a heart, I mean, this is Africa. Um, it, it, life here is is. I mean, my, my my wife and I we love it, but but we often mention we often talk about how it's just harder. That's there, there's no convenience, and when you get a little bit of convenience, you you think the heaven just came down on earth, and 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 you you, know, you think it's wonderful. 
we love it, but we don't want, of course, our daughter to grow up and become hardened or indifferent towards the Lord Jesus Christ because she's grown up in a place that maybe is more difficult. And my wife does an excellent job of, of you know, loving her, taking care of her, and 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 really throughout the day when I'm here, you know, working on things, she's at home. I mean, training her, teaching her, spending time with her, trying to help her to have what you were just talking about a an enjoyable time growing up in Africa. But why do so many children, uh, missionary children, end up so cold and so hard towards the Lord Jesus Christ? And and what did you do to try and help and encourage that? You can't force it upon children. What did you do to help encourage them to love the Lord and to and to want to serve Him? You have kids out here in these villages. <clears throat> they laugh. They have a great time. Mm-hmm. Why? Nobody's ever told them they're poor. Right. Nobody's ever po- told them that they're doing without. They're just living life. Mm-hmm. If if every day. You, your kids come back or come back from school or come in your house and you complain about the country and you complain about the food and you complain about the Africans and you complain about the, the, the church and you complain. What are the kids going to think? Right. This is a bad place. I am really, I, I'm suffering. I'm sacrificing. But if you come in and say, man, we get to go to this village I'm telling you, we met this guy named Sencher. I mean, he is, you know, he killed over 100,000 people. And, 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 boy, we got to lead several people to the Lord out here. And, and yeah, the roads are, are terrible, but, you know, <laughs> see, see how many bumps you can hit. See if we can rip, bust a rim or something. You know. How you project it, and it comes back to your theology. God God put me here. I didn't decide one day to come to Uganda. I, matter of fact, when I, Brother Bragg suggested it, our director, I said, are you out of your mind? I said, that's E.D. I mean country. He eats yeah. people for breakfast. I don't want no part of that. What else you got over there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if, if God's led you there, enjoy it. Sure. Ha- have fun with it, you know? And and look at all the, the positives that everybody can complain and gripe and bellyache, and we did our share. But that wasn't the norm. Right. Well, there's got to be a balance of, you know, the, the Bible says we are strangers and pilgrims mm-hmm. on this earth. And so there has to be a balance of, yes, I'm an American, but that's not my allegiance. Mm-hmm. Right? All right. My allegiance is to the kingdom of God. And as we were growing up, that was where, wherever we were, was where God had us on the earth to, to do that. And so I've, I've told this to so many people. I said, one of the reasons I believe that, that this has happened with all the kids, you know, going back is like he said, we never knew we were missing anything. This was home. And so they always made the best of what was home, right. you know? And, uh, and so we never, it, it was never a, uh, whenever we go on furlough and we saw this in our own kids. I mean, yeah, the first month or so back in the States after you've eaten the McDonald's and you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, or sick over all that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like, let's go home. Yeah. 
because America was not our home. Right. Right. And, and so if you, if you talk to my kids right now, they would, every one of them would tell you, we'd love to go back to Uganda because mm-hmm. that, was, that was home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so there's a, there's a fine line. I, I'm all about, you know, I love my country. I love America. That's where I was born. We have great freedoms there. But we have to understand that there is a higher kingdom than 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 of being an American, mm-hmm. and and God did not call me to this earth. And in other words, success is not defined by enjoying American luxury and freedoms and right. all that kind of stuff. Right. And so we, we put that kind of as a a litmus test of happiness and and joy and contentment if I have mm-hmm. what we have in America, and so. When, as he was saying, when when you have that attitude of what we're missing, and boy, I wish I could eat this, and boy, I wish you know we could take the kids here, and and, right, and right. it's just that constant thing. Then when those kids reach a point where they're getting ready to go on their own, it's not we're leaving home. It's look at what mom and dad kept us from all these years. Sure. Look at what we've never been able to do because mom and dad had us in another part of the world. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I really, and I don't know how, and I'm hoping that I found that balance in our home and I'm seeing it in our kids as well, but somehow dad found that balance where it's, it, yes, ministry is there, but balancing ministry. And I know you and I've joked about this a lot of times, but balancing it with fun, you know, and understanding that, yes, God's called us here to live life. Mm-hmm. So my okay. daughter's doomed. Yes. <laughs> so, but he's called us here to live life. And so that includes ministry. That includes doing things with the family. That mm-hmm. includes going on vacation. That includes life is here, you know. And, and, and so by maintaining that balance, there was never in any of myself or my brothers and sister a bitterness or look at what we left out. As a matter of fact, there was a desire with all of us. We really didn't enjoy American culture. Right. All right. Now, I know a missionary here in Uganda that goes to the extreme where his kids hate America, you know, and, and so they've kind of transferred Ugandan culture into their minds and their kids want nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's going a little too far with it, right. but, but there's that balance there. And, and I, and I, I know my dad found it in our, with myself and my brothers and sister. And I hope so far I've found that with our kids right. and, uh, and, 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 and just trying to find that balance. And so there's not a bitterness. There's not a, a, a look at what we missed out on. Right. So just uh, not fostering an attitude of resentment really seems to, it sounds like when you, when you, when it's all summed up, which is a major problem in our, all across the world today, Americans who grew up in America and took full advantage of all of its freedoms and conveniences resent, resent America. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of it too, just to be fair, I grew up on the mission field, mm-hmm. you know, so I did not have the attachments that a lot of people have. Sure. Um, many come to the mission field having already been enjoying those things. And sometimes their kids are older and they've had their friends and their right, schools right. and, and they, they're accustomed to going to Six Flags, you know, every year they're accustomed to eating the nice restaurants and then they get over here. And I think they have 
much more of a challenge in that regard than those of us that were raised on the mission field and then were raising our kids from birth up on the mission field. So I will give that sure. as a, sure. you know, an added thing there. But uh, but there definitely has got to be some effort by the parents to to let the children understand that this is this is God's calling. This is our home. This is where God is moving us. And, and we're not we're not. And, and Thomas, there, there's sometimes I get to a point, even like when I go on furloughs, when we go to missions conference and things. And sometimes even the pastors there kind of feed our kids this idea that right. we're suffering right. and we're yeah. sacrificing. And right. We never saw that. I mean, sacrificing, suffering. Sure. <laughs> we, we never thought that we were doing that, you know. Right. And uh, but because most pastors have in their mind, you know, these kids don't have what our kids in our church have, right. so they're suffering. And, right. and and so I think we just got to be very careful that we don't always put a negative on serving God. All right? right. Yes, we're if those that live godly will suffer. I understand that, but. The ministry is not all about suffering. The mm, ministry is not sure. all about doom and gloom. We, we enjoyed it. I remember when Alicia graduated, we went back to the state, she graduated in the home church, and high grades, they was going to have her give a speech. And I said, man, I don't think she's ever given a speech before. Maybe I ought to help her. And I said, well, Alicia, you want me to help? She said, no, I got it, Dad. And, of course, I'm worried a little bit, you know, and Nancy, and she gets up there to give her speech. And she said the same thing. She said, you know, uh, all these, you know, preachers and people in the church, they come up and they pat us on the head and they say, you poor little missionary, you're missing out on so much. She said, let me ask you something. How many of you have sat right in the middle of an elephant herd? <laughs> How many of you have ever whitewater rafted down the Nile River? How many of you have, have gone to the, to the palace where, where the king has, has given permission for this guy named Columbus to go over? How many? And she starts down this list over and over and over and yeah. over. And we, we're not missing nothing. Sure. We have gained so much more. Again, it goes back to that theology. If you think God's ripping y'all, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's you, a good way you're gonna, to put it. You're yeah. going to have that concept. But if, right. if you see how God has blessed in so many, it's not a it's not a problem to go to the mission field. It's not it's not sad. It's not a big you know divot in your life. You right. know. Which the way some people think it is. Sure. Yeah, the the attachment to uh, comfort and conveniences, but ultimately that's uh, it. Seems that that's what most people are. Uh, that's that's the correlation here. They think that because you don't have the comforts and conveniences, you just must be suffering, and that really isn't. That's not the case. Thomas, we found out that things are not important. Right. I go back there. And what do I need? What do I want? I, I have everything I want. I got my kids serving Christ. I'm going to heaven when I die. I've got the best wife in the world. God has so blessed me and given me all these opportunities. And what do I want? But you talk to Americans. 
Uh, I need this. I need this. I need this. And it's all about things. Mm -hmm. We encouraged a personal walk with God. Wasn't my walk with God. It was right. their walk with God. Very good. Yeah. To where, th when when they got away from home, they they could stand for Christ mm -hmm. because that's what. And we was talking about this. We this is what I I believe, and this is why I believe it. And I remember when every one of them come off the off the airplane, and I, I picked them up. On the way, you might remember, on the way out from the airport, every one of them, I said, listen, I am your dad, but I am not your God. You do here in this country what God has sent you here to do, not what mm -hmm. dad tells you to do. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've always encouraged their personal walk, relationship, ministry, everything with God. Right. Because that's who they're going to stand before. Sure. And, and and knowing that, knowing that, yes, Dad's on their team, and I'm right behind them, and I'll help them. And if we're, if we're passing cross in the ministry and life, and we're working together, I, I had a blast up there just being able to work with my kids. You yeah. know? Yeah. Oh, it's exciting. But that's their ministry. That's God working in their lives, and, and we've tried to instill that to them. Whatever God wants them to do, we're with them. Just do it, do it your best. Mm -hmm. And they they picked up and run with it. Amen. Well, we're still praying for Brother Keith, but you know, well, the rest I, of them. I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's for us, uh, you know, coming in and working with Brother Keith has been a a, a tremendous blessing. We are light years ahead of where we could ever have been in one year had it not been for, you know, his his willingness to have us come. He, he's easy to work with. He he's been he bends over backwards to to help us out, <clears throat> and at the same time, doesn't step in the way. Doesn't you know? It's just it, it's it's been a, a tremendous blessing, and and you can see that in all the. And and all your children, they they love to serve the Lord. They love to be where they are. And I haven't. And all of them are different. Yeah, yeah totally. they are, they are very different. All of them. When I, you know, so we got to know Brother Keith and Miss Sally, and we won't go too far into this. <laughs> then we met Matt, and then we meet Alicia, and then we meet you. It's like, man, these people are in the same family. <laughs> I haven't met Andrew yet, but <laughs> that's what. Uh, now, actually, we saw a uh, a picture of Andrew. And uh, and your your granddaughter, I think it was, and my wife was like, "Man, that looks like Brother Keith in the in the, in the picture." So. Don't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So to shift gears just a little bit, something that uh, you mentioned quite a bit when you were giving your testimony, um, what I leave behind, and um, <clears throat> and I and I don't mean to ask you these questions like you have the answers to all of them, but it is. Uh, good to hear your perspective and then for people who listen to this to hear your perspective so we so those who are interested can maybe help address the issue moving forward you know in so far as they think it is an issue but a big problem that that I saw on again on on deputation as we moved around now many of the churches we went to were were doing great i mean they were flourishing they 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 were a blessing but then uh, a good number of other churches that we came across uh the pastor is is up in age he's done nothing to prepare anyone to come behind him and uh and I don't know your 
thoughts on this, but um, I despise this idea that I'm going to pastor this church, and then when I get to the end of my life, I'll just ask for some resumes and have someone come in and, and find someone to fill a pulpit after me, rather than, in my estimation, fulfilling my uh, pastoral duty to train men to come after me in the church, you end up turning the church over to someone who knows how to say what needs to be said and knows how to uh, put on the show to get you to let them, you know, to let the Lord let you, um, you know, let them take over the church. And then they end up taking it in a completely different direction uh, that ha- that that does not meet with the church's values, standards, uh, doctrine, whatever the case may be. Um, there seems to be a massive lack. Now, I can't speak as much for men on the mission field because I haven't been to enough ministries to, to really say, but I have seen it in the United States and in our churches. They're not training young men to come after them. In fact, one of the things that bothers me about BIMI, you, we probably have more women coming in than young men at times to be missionaries. And it's easy to point, to look at the women and say, you know, you, you need to, you know, think about this. You shouldn't be doing that. But the, the problem to me is not that young women have this desire to serve the Lord. The problem for me is that where are the men? <laughs> it's easy to look at women and say, you know, you need to learn your biblical place. Well, maybe if she had a husband willing to go to the mission field, she might've gotten married and followed him. You know, it's it just, there's a huge lack of young men being trained and being brought up and, and, uh, I have some ideas about it, but I, you, I'll turn it over you to you too. And... No. <laughs> I, I changed my philosophy after I got to the mission field and come across the same stuff that, okay. that you're talking about. At what point? Was it in Europe or was it in Africa? In Africa. Okay. We, we beat our heads against the wall over and over and over as missionaries. We're trying to do what's right. They send us, they tell us to go over there, start a church. Nobody trained us. Sure. Yeah. I mean, how many, how many electricians are you going to hire that you've never been to train as an electrician right. or, or a builder? You, you don't. Well, I went, we, I went to what I would say the top mission school in mm-hmm. America, and I came over here and had no clue how to start a church. No, there, right. there's no church planning course, and, and, the, and it's big, again, it goes back to that theology. If you have the wrong concept of the church, you're going to have the wrong concept of the way it go, everything goes back. Mm-hmm. For example, when I resigned as, as pastor there at, at, uh, in Missouri to come back to Africa here, I think they said they had probably about 120 applications or something. That tells me the 119 of them don't know the will of God because mm-hmm. all of them say that's the will of God to go. Mm-hmm. Not one of them. And I checked, not one of them, to my knowledge, ever contacted a mission board to say, do you have anything open there? Mm-hmm. They're not looking for the will of God. They're looking for a place that they can be comfortable, that they can get a good salary, that they can minister mm-hmm. and play the game. Right. My concept, and as we develop this here, God is in the matter of church planning and 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 continuing on, and uh, every church should have a church plant somewhere. Mm-hmm. Why just missionaries? Mm-hmm. They're sending us here to fulfill the gospel. Why aren't they doing it? Mm-hmm. Every church should have a church plant, 
when you get your eyes off of yourself, me, my, and my four, and you get them on other people, you're not only going to be helping there, but you're also going to be exciting and, and, and building this up back here because mm-hmm. that's your theology. When you, when you, I went back and studied Acts in, in just a very unique way from a mission standpoint, and that's what I teach in my course at the West Coast. Never, when Paul goes out and starts a church, never does Paul send back to Antioch. Now, there were guys there. There were people training with him mm-hmm. when God called him to Barnabas. Mm-hmm. Why did he not send back? Antioch and say, we need a pastor here. Right. Why didn't they send Jerusalem and say, hey, we need, need someone to come pastor here? They always rose someone up within those believers in that local congregation. Mm-hmm. Now, what we have, and, I, and you hear the stat all the time, people say, well, the pastor in these church plants usually a year and a half, Maybe, maybe two years. Why? Because they're bringing somebody in out of that culture, different culture, different concepts. It takes them a long time to get the confidence of people. Mm -hmm. They don't know him. It takes years to build all this up and everything. And then all of a sudden there's a problem comes up. Well, if a problem comes up, it must be God's will. I go over here. And they leave. (laughs) Right. Well, they're hiring from the start. Yeah. But if you raise somebody up from within that group of people mm-hmm. and you see God's hand on that person and they end up becoming the pastor, when they're the problem, they're not booking. They're not right. getting out of town. They're going to deal with the problem. Who knows the people better than the people who live there all the time? Mm-hmm. You know? So they, they know what people have been through. They know what they need spiritually. And you're going to have a pastor. And you're going to be trying. You, your heart is in this thing. You want it to keep going. So you're going to be training somebody to take over. What are you going to do? Send them to a Bible college and get, a, get somebody? No, you're going right. to train them up. Right. Our other son, Andrew. He does something with his, his young people. Before the services on Wednesday night, he has all the young, the young boys come into his office and pray with him for the service and with the speaker, whoever the speaker is, if he's got somebody coming. Not the adults. He has the young people come, the young boys. At this point, we have, like once a quarter, uh, a youth service, and they do everything. He's had to go to two. Because there's so many young men that want to preach. And, 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 and they're, they're, they're wanting to serve the Lord so much. When I was in a Bible college that, uh, where I was teaching, and they, I kept hearing this, you know, we're not seeing people surrender to missions, and we're not seeing, you know, and, and being of calm, <laughs> and and not opinionated at all. Sure, I said, sure. Let me ask you something. When's the last time you ever had a missionary speak in chapel? You get what you emphasize. Mm-hmm. 
my purpose down there when we started these triannual institutes was to build men that would be able to take the pastorate. I was there as a missionary. I'm supposed to step out. They're supposed to be the one to, to, to take over. That's what Paul did. He said, now, I, I've got this together. Now, you ordain an elder. You take over this. Will they do things the way we, we, we like? Not always. You know, how many of Paul's originally seven churches are standing? Right. You know, that that's up to them. But you're training them. You're mentoring. You're working there. See, we're doing things backwards. We're not doing them biblically. Mm-hmm. Now, I've had church, these, these church planting ministries in the States. I've sat down with them at the table, had lunch with them, and said, you know, we're having to rethink this and get people from their communities to to start pastoring they're starting to rethink it but they're pretty slow at it because of of our pride mm. you know we don't want people to think we've failed or that we are failing or right. or whatever and so those those practices okay mm-hmm. not doctrine but the practices yeah. we've got to change some of this you know and i think some of the problem too is the the whole concept i think of and 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 i know i I need you to hear me through before you crucify me here but the whole concept of the bible college i think has has hurt the this very idea of what you're saying is because we've we've got this idea that unless somebody goes to bible college then they can't they don't qualify or they're not ready for it. But then what you find, and this is what I was finding in the schools that I, the schools that I went to is you get people, their pastors say, oh, okay, let's send the Bible college, get ready. Well, then they get the Bible college and end up going, right. I mean, helping other churches. Did, God never told them to come home. God told <laughs> us to go out. Right. But what I'm saying is you're, what, what I'm seeing is, and I've talked to a couple pastors about this, older pastors, where the, the cream of the crop, so to speak, the ones that would be taking over the ministries within that church sure. are being sent out. And so they're left with nothing to turn over is what, I, what I'm saying. That's their fault. Well, I understand that. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the pastor's that's fault. The, that's, the, the, that's the concept, I think, that is hurting. And right, so... Right. I think pastors are starting to learn, and I, I know Andrew does this, and other pastors start to say, hey, when it comes to Bible training and, 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 and preparing leadership, it's, it's got to get back to the local church, right. and, and we've got to be, I'm, I'm not... No, I'm you're, you're right. You're, I'm totally agreeing but with you. I think what's happened is, is a lot of our churches are losing their men because they get into, I, I was I was in the very thick of a Bible college where it was never about training so that you could go back and help your church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was training so that you could go out and do this. And, and and again, I'm not against that, but I'm just saying I think that's one of the reasons why our churches are not having the men that they need to step up because whenever we get somebody excited about serving the Lord and excited about leadership, oh, you need to go to Bible college, right? And and then they get leave here and they get to Bible somewhere else. You're right. Their 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 training 
changes, that sometimes their doctrine changes, sometimes their methods change. And so after four years of college, it's like they don't fit. Yeah, they are anymore, yeah. You know, with, with that. But you're, you're right in, in your premise. But I go back and I blame the pastors. Because the pastors aren't emphasizing serving the Lord. Right. The pastors aren't. They have pushed their responsibility off yes. to the college. Well, right. they have. But and that was kind of the premise you, of the but question. But you see, from where I'm at, I'm, I'm the professor here. And you got 150 people sitting in front of you that don't know their left from their right. Right. Who's supposed to do that? Right. I'm, I'm serious. The, these kids that are coming to Bible colleges are brain dead. Right. They're pastors. Now, there's many that, that do. Sure. But most of these kids, their pastors have taught them nothing. Right. And that was the, that was the basis of my concern is that, um, in, in my estimation, biblically, it's that pastor's job. It is not a university. It is to be training those those, those young people. No. And, and there's two there's two things that you know through the course of the conversation that that came out and and um I think is really important to emphasize. Number one, everyone should be trained in the Bible. Mm-hmm. That that is the that is the pastor's ultimate responsibility okay. is to build people people up and get them grounded and rooted in the Word of Truth. Number two, everyone doesn't need to leave. If you keep sending all your men away, then you have a shallow, empty church that's gonna that's gonna end up passing away because nobody nobody foundational stayed and did things like cut the grass and run the sound booth and and you know we don't need just mindless people to do those tasks. We need good, godly. Look, when they were gonna find men to serve food <laughs> to women, they had to be full of the Holy Ghost. They had to be. I mean, these had to be devout men. They they weren't just. Uh, well, let's just find someone who's otherwise useless and let them fill those spots. That's and that's not the mentality of our church. Our church, the man running the sound booth, his his biblical knowledge and faithfulness is isn't one of one of the. There are a couple of them, but one of them, his name is Justin Whitland, one of my best friends. I I, would, I don't want to compare myself to him because he's he's a he's a faithful brother and and. Grounded and rooted in the Word of God, knows the Bible inside and out. Good preacher, he, he could fill the pulpit anytime. Brother James could pass away, and Brother Justin could could pastor that church tomorrow. That that's the kind of men that Brother James is trying to build up uh, to take the most menial positions around the church, and and that's lacking in a lot of churches. And then secondly, and 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 I'd say uh, to to your point, Brother Brian, and probably where our church maybe it's hurting a little bit because we have so many foundational men in the church. None of them are leaving the church <laughs> and going anywhere. And there's an imbalance on both sides. And what most churches are doing today is sending all their young people out to these universities, most of which drive me up the wall, and, and then they're not going back home and the church is but dying the and passing comes away. right back to the pastor. I, I agree. If, yeah. if you were in your the ministry there with mm-hmm. your pastor, and your pastor is being honest with himself and saying, when I get to this age, I probably should step aside. Sure. So I'm going to train somebody and I'm going to work with it. And if he comes to you and say, look, this is, this is my plan. Mm-hmm. I've talked to some of the men in the church. They love you. They see God's hand on you. I would like you 
to be under me. You'll be my associate. And I am training you. And the church knows it. I am training you to become the pastor of this church. Would you go off to Bible college? No. Why are they going off to Bible college? So they can get educated, so they can get a job. That That is. And so that's that's my, in my estimation, that is the only, if you want to be an accountant, go to Bob Jones. They'll teach okay. you how to be yeah. a, a good accountant yeah. and it'll be in a, uh, roughly Christian ab- atmosphere. Law, stuff you, like that. you know, yeah. you you know, you want to learn a trade. You go to Crown College. They'll teach you how to be a diesel mechanic, and you'll do it in a Christian atmosphere. But if you want to learn to serve God, and again, this is this is my perspective on it. You need to you need to first of all make sure you're in a Bible believing church under a pastor who who is apt mm-hmm. to teach, which I believe is a requirement, right. <laughs> and. Yeah. Uh, and who is willing to take you under his wing mm-hmm. and teach you and build you up so that in the future, when it's time for that man to step aside, you have between one in 10 men who could easily take over that church and keep it going in good doctrine, good standards, and 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 keep the church alive right. and thriving. And though men will differ in what they do, because all men are different, mm-hmm. the same heart sure. yes. continues. Well, Brother James and Brother David Brown are, are in many ways, drastically different. But Brother David is so grounded and rooted in what Brother James has taught and the doctrine of that church, it might take on a different personality, but it's going to be the same Bible Baptist church as it is. In defense, though, of the Bible colleges, you have a lot, not all, but you have a lot of these pastors that are lazy. I agree. Yeah. No, that's that's, that's the problem. They don't want that's to put what we in the hope to address here for a Bible college in their church. They don't want to put in the extra time of discipling and mentoring right. people in their church. They'd rather be on the golf course. They'd rather be going to the preachers' fellowship. They'd re- go somewhere to do something. Yes. So you have these young people to do want to do something. Mm-hmm. They may not know much, but they 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 want to do something. Yes. Serve yes. God. Right. You can't just do away with the Bible college. Right. But and and this is one of the things that that uh, Pastor Chapel is very keen. If, if he before he ever even thinks about having this person on staff, he contacts the pastor and says, "Would you would it be okay for you if I talk to them about this position?" If they say no, he said, "That's it." He works with them. He sends them back to their their churches. He tries his best to help those churches grow. Not many Bible colleges are like that. But I know personally because I've seen him do it. I've, I've witnessed him do it. Uh, I, I've interviewed people that he has done that with, pastors and the students and stuff. They had no idea until later that that he'd even talked to their pastor and stuff. You know, so... You know, there is a need for a good Bible college. But the answer is, if your churches are doing what they're supposed to do, that's going to get probably less and less. But then again, a lot of these these guys don't know the book. So so where did the... In, at what point and where, where did the mentality, I, I, I guess I, in my mind, it, it would be in the, the, the Bob Jones, Tennessee Temple um, uh, era when these, these Bible schools were, were booming and, and were, 
you know, they were kind of the heart of fundamentalism in, in uh, independent Baptist churches. But when did this mentality shift from, I'm going to teach you in my little local congregation to, no, you got to go. You got to go to a Bible school. We got to send you away. I don't think it was there, really, that, that in, early, in the earlier days that the pastors would train their people. Mm-hmm. That's why you had very little outreach and church planting and things, and you had very little missions and stuff like this, is because they they did not really understand that concept. But when you had someone come on the scene like Dr. Robertson or or Bob Jones and some of these guys with a real vision for souls mm-hmm. and a vision for church planting, both here and uh, in America and on the mission field then that concept, we have to get these people trained to do that. And so that's where I think you really see that push. But it's because the pastors never had that really a good vision of training people themselves. Yeah. Well, we we met uh, probably more than a dozen pastors who, you know, they're for, in their 40s or 50s, and, and we're trying to get to know them, and we ask them, so how long have you been here? And he's like, oh, two years. Okay, well, where were you before? It's like, I was at such and such a church. Oh, how long were you there? Two years. Where were you before that? I was at this other church. Well, how long were you there? (laughs) Two years. It's like, well, you established such a dramatic work (laughs) in two years in so many places that you could just move around. And and it's, there's this disjointed loyalty to, to you know, I, I know of a missionary whose home church was, falling apart. I mean, it's just completely about to die and he's going in the mission field. In my mind, if my home church is about to, is falling apart, I need to go home. I need to, if there's no home church and, and most missionaries, what they do today is they say, well, I'll just transfer my membership somewhere else. I'll just, I'll just go somewhere else. And there, there's no, there's no internal loyalty to the local assembly to which God has allowed you to be a part of, and there's no personal responsibility to say, okay, what what am I going to do here to help build people up, to help bring people in, and win souls to the Lord? Theology. Right. It always goes back to the wrong theology, their concept of the church and everything. If, if you have a biblical concept of the church, mm-hmm. there's going to be loyalty. But if your concept is, well, I'll just switch churches. Better man kicked out of kicked out of the country here, kicked out of his mission board. He just went with another mission board. Sure, sure. He, he, his home church, he, he, they kicked him out, basically, because of all kinds of false teaching and things. He just went and joined another church. Mm-hmm. The, their, their theology, that basic theology, is so much more important. It, we talk about it deals with family, it deals with your upbringing, your children, it bring, it, it, your ministry, your, your life, everything. Whether you're going to stay there and minister to people, help a, a local church, or, 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 or go someplace, it all has to do with your fundamental thinking, sure. thinking right, biblically. Right. And, and, and we say as, as Baptists, oh yeah, we, we're, we're thinking right. No, they're not. And a lot of them are not, and they're not thinking biblically. And so, again, you, you, you get what you emphasize. Right. If you're going to emphasize people surrendering, serving the Lord in your church and, and, and growing up and pastoring maybe that church, or if you leave that open, 
It's like the call. We talk about the call of God in, in, in ministry. The more I really looked at this when I was uh, the professor there at West Coast, I, I, I started understanding, I think, a little bit better. The call is like the, the, the soul, mind, will, and emotions. Mm-hmm. When this kid surrenders back here in Bodong Collar, knows very little. All he knows is his youth group. He gets to college. You ask him, what are you going to be? Be a pastor? Why? <laughs> yeah. That's all he knows. Right. And these colleges, what their job is partially is to expand that sphere of, of knowledge Open it up to the mission field. Open it up to the pastorate. Open it up to this, uh, that. And, and as you're opening this up, now the Spirit of God then can speak to the heart. Mm-hmm. All right? As then, and that's why I recommend certain, or require certain books to be read in certain classes and everything. I'm trying to expand that, that intellect. And if this person tells me, uh, you know, I, I'm, I just really kind of have a burden for China, then I want you to read this book or I want you to do a paper on this. Stimulating that knowledge base, sure. expanding it. And I tell them, if God don't call you that place, wonderful. Look at all the knowledge you gain. Amen. But if he, if he does, God is going to work that. Mm-hmm. Then you see that surrender. And we see mission majors changing several times through sure. these things. So sure. there's a reason for what we're doing, but that college will expand that to where if they're just in, in the photo collar, they don't know anything as far as what God could have for them out there. Mm-hmm. And so in, in that aspect, yeah, again, there's a good necessity uh, for those colleges. But you've got to expand that knowledge. Sure, sure. Pastors aren't doing it. Right. Now, that is that part it, it seems abundantly clear. And, and, of course, again, not all. I mean, there, there are. Sure. I, I can think of a, of, of a half dozen uh, pastors right now who, who have really taken a, a keen interest in teaching and training and building up their people and do an excellent oh, job good. at it. And, um, it, you know, one— uh, I, I, I like Capital City's um, mentality regarding that. Um, as I met some of the missionaries coming out of there, they're all just sharp young men mm-hmm. that, that are, um, I believe, going to do an excellent job. But they told me that when they got ready to go, uh, Pastor Adam Thompson required them to train someone to take their, their position, position, what they were doing at the church, so that when they left, there was someone to fill sure. those shoes. They didn't just take off and leave, and now the church is, is less one person to serve in that area. May I say that COVID is not that bad? <laughs> not dangerous. I'm not saying that, but sure. COVID has brought about something in our, in our colleges, our Bible colleges, that we okay. had not seen before. We had some courses that you could get a master's degree or something like that, so many courses there, then you come and, and all that. But what COVID has done is allowed students to stay 
in their churches taking online classes sure, sure. for whatever percentage of their degree or towards their degree, mm-hmm. then they would either finish somehow, either going there or for a few months or whatever. It depends on the school. But that is allowing pastors this opportunity if they will take it. But I'm afraid that pastors are still too lazy that here's somebody taking courses in a Bible college if you would, as a pastor, would take that individual and feed that and and work with that, you've already got somebody that their heart and their mind is is for serving the Lord. If they will take that that student and really put them, get them involved in their ministry, they're going to be doing what we're talking about without having to send them off. So, some of this. Online stuff is really going to, it should, if they'll take advantage of it, help the pastors and the churches. Yeah, right. right. Whether we see it or not. Well, we'll see. <laughs> time time will tell. Now, we, uh, you and I had talked um, a couple of weeks back, and you said that you were a, a little more optimistic about the future of missions um, based on some of the things that you had seen. What, what did you mean by that, or what, what are you seeing that... Um, has you so optimistic and cheerful <laughs> because because I read the Bible. I mean, God's word says we're going to have difficulties. Yeah, but the young people, this even through this COVID, COVID, it, it, it in the churches it gave the people the excuses to not go to church that they always wanted because their heart was never there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're not coming back. But we've found that those that are going, continuing to go to Bible college and stuff through all of these things, even though they could do it online and stuff, they, they really, they're so intent. Those people are so serious. And it has weeded out those that just mama called, papa sure. called type, type people. They are excited. We're seeing some churches like, like Andrews that they're raising up a whole group of young people that are wanting to serve the Lord and they are surrendering. And, and, and you're seeing this in, in several different churches. I, it's just like, I, I think the reason that the, uh, uh, workforce is down is because I think a lot of women found out that they had kids, they had <laughs> yeah. families. Yeah, they they like being the mother Amen. instead of the provider, right. and I think a lot of them are staying home. So the COVID, although it, with all its 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 bad stuff, it has really brought several good things to light. I think it's weeded out uh, a lot of this. We're seeing, uh, uh, if I'm getting the facts right from uh, from Eric, uh, our director. That they're, they're seeing an uptick uh, as far as mission candidates and things like this. Okay. And, and the more of these missions, I'm finding some more good missions out there that are, are seeing more and more people come with them because they, they, they really want to serve God and are willing to pay that, that price to do it. And, and even in troubles and problems and difficulties, they're sticking with it. Uh, you know, the world is scared to death 
And what an opportunity. Man, it is yeah. so no, that open is to preaching the definitely gospel. Definitely true. I, I've had multiple... You were talking about how you lost all your friends over time after you got saved. But I had a great family that I didn't know I had. Well, what I was going to say is that uh, the friends that I lost, you know, it's about the same same thing. Um, some of them I haven't talked to in ten or fifteen years. Probably ten years, about ten years. I've been say I got saved in October two thousand ten, and um, and so it's probably been just under ten years, really, since we've talked. And they're contacting me lately, yeah, saying. They will. What's going, What's going on? on? <laughs> like, I am terrified. Yeah. Can you help me? And and uh, so, it, I mean, I am so tired of COVID and so ready for it to go. But it, it definitely has brought out some. It has revealed some some oddities to people that they they didn't realize, especially in America, where you know we just had so much at our fingertips, and all of a sudden it's taken from you. And they're like, so I can't, I can live without all these things. That's the book of Joel. That's what he said. It's the whole first chapter. You've had all this. I took it away. Right. Now what you can do. Right. And, and what's, what's funny or what's sad is what's being taken away is not life. Right. Right. No. Absolutely. It's luxury. I mean, even with all that's been taken away, we still have 10 times more. Than yes. Yeah. Yes. In the rest of the world. Right. And so it's. It's scratching into our lifestyle, but yeah. life goes on. Right, you know? right, right. But we're just, it, and, and again, that's, and that's the thing. You find, you find out, out that life, life goes, goes on without all those things. Well, and that circles back to what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. We, yeah. It's not that we can't survive in Africa, it's just that we want to have all those. Right, extra right, things, right, and right. because we can't have those extra things, we think we're sacrificing. Yes. When you hear you hear about, they say, "Well, so many churches are closing every day." That's not our churches, right? That's the Methodists and the Catholics and Luthers. Some of these that just, you know, people are fed up. They they didn't give them anything. Right. COVID hit. We're just going to close our doors. Why? Right. Their, their faith wasn't in God to start with, but. That's why I'm I'm positive about this thing and think we've got a great future because the independent Baptist churches are not the ones that are closing. We are starting churches. We are planting churches all over. People, when they think of California, they think Disneyland. There are scores and scores of good, fundamental, independent Baptist churches all up and down the coast, and they're starting more all the time. Right in in New Mexico, in Nevada, they're just they're, Dr. Trever up there in in, in Santa Clara, mm-hmm. really involved in church planning. Dr. Chapel down there, they're putting these graduates out there that are planting good, solid churches. There's a few flukes in all of them, but. And it's and it, they're moving, and God is doing something. We're not we're not going backwards. Our churches are growing. We Andrew's church. We're out of room. We've had to go two services. They they can't put the people in, and 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 all this during COVID and stuff like this. And people are getting saved and and discipled and growing. Man, why should we feel down? You know, we, it's like listening. You can listen to CNN and what you get, <laughs> you know, trash. So you quit listening. Right. But there's good news out there. Amen. Right. And, and, and our system, our people, our churches, they're growing. And, and 
with that and the missions growing, I see a great future. Amen. I really do. Yeah. So. Well, well, you want to add to that anything? You were just... it up. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think in all uh, I've I've been I've had supporting churches uh, for 28 years now, mm-hmm. and I think of all those independent Baptist churches, I think probably two have closed wow. uh, their doors in all those years. I I still have churches that you know started out supporting us, you know, way back on deputation. Uh, I think my concern as I go back on furlough, uh, my only concern, yes, I, I agree with my dad that I have seen most, I would say the majority of our supporting churches are growing. Um, but the thing that concerns me is they're also growing in financial debt. Mm. All right. And, and I think eventually that's going to come back to bite a lot of our churches because, uh, when, when you get into that debt, you've got to maintain the people to pay the debt. And in order to, you know, eventually in order to maintain, you, you've got to be careful how you preach. You've got to make sure you don't offend people because, so I just, I, I see the same thing he saw, you know, when I w- went back on furlough. I mean, I would say the majority of the church, our supporting churches are growing. Yeah. But when I went back this last time, it was amazing to me how many churches their buildings are nicer. Mm-hmm. There are many churches involved in building programs. And and now they're talking about, okay, this is our mortgage that we now have. Mm-hmm. And and I think a lot of that too has has kept churches from uh, and and again, I'm not saying every church, but a lot of churches are not giving as much to missions uh, because they're a lot of their finances and stuff are going, you know, for, for building their their buildings and, right. and even building gymnasiums and all this kind of stuff, you know. So I think that's just my, my only concern. I would agree with my dad that they're growing. I've only seen two of my supporting churches close the door uh, since since I've started. Uh-huh. Um, but my concern would just be, uh, my concern would be the debt of the churches. And mm-hmm. that would be the, the only thing that just in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, eventually this is not, this is not going to be good uh, just simply because of the fact in order to keep that going, you've got to keep the people going. And once you start, you know, it's like uh, the, the Israelites said, you know, speak into a smooth things, yeah. you know, we, yeah. we don't, uh, we don't want to have the hard preaching and we're going to take our offerings and stuff and go someplace else. And so that would with be, your debt. Yeah. So that, that's you're going to have that. Yeah. That, that would be my only concern. Yeah. Um, about that, you know, it used to be, and and I believe. Let me just say this: I believe God's house, where we meet, I think it ought to be beautiful. I think it ought to be as, as nice looking as we can. But you know, it used to be back in you know the eighties, the nineties. It it wasn't so much a concern about buildings. You know, I remember the old wood paneling and mm-hmm. <laughs> the, yeah. the yeah. ugly carpeting mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And and yet, those were the days where the missionaries were really going out and, right. and the uh, churches being started, things like this. And, and we've got into the late nineties and the, now the two thousands where it almost seems as there's, there's this shift where we've got to have the nicer and better buildings because that's what the people of our generation want. Mm-hmm. We've got to have the screens and, and I'm not against any of that kind of stuff, but I'm saying, what are we sacrificing 
to get it. Right. And and that would be my only concern. Right. So the the I guess my main concern with all of that is the there's a within independent Baptist churches there's a a large shift towards that comes with the new buildings with the new technology and and the screens and the computers and all of that with that comes light shows and and a change in music and we're throwing out the hymn books and we're just going to put it on a screen so you don't have to actually turn to a page and hold the book and and well now you don't even need to bring your bible you can just use your phone or you can look on the screen and we'll put the the verse up there for you and and, i know that my dad likes to read his bible on his iPad because he likes to take the notes. Only read in the morning. That, that, to church, that just, oh. I, yeah. <laughs> when I go to church, I want my Bible. I want yeah. to study it. That's what I'm there for. And yeah. now I can read off of it, but I don't, the same time, I don't like to oh, I got an email. Oh, yeah. I got somebody texting me. Oh, yeah. Well, the, and then the, and then along with all that, there, there's a major shift in standards. You know, the the music has gone to more contemporary, and and uh, the dress standards go out the door, and and uh, just all this comes back to the <laughs> confusion comes in. You know, and that's what I, I mean. Debt is a problem. I mean that that is a a huge problem. You're tying yourself up. You're making yourself a slave to someone other than the Lord Jesus Christ. If you if you do that as a church, but with that debt, as, as you were just saying, you know, then when that that couple who comes in and has a lot of money and says, "Well, you know, we'd like to just see you soften up on the music a little bit," and what are you going to say? You know, they have you in their pocket at this point, and so so it, it, the standards are changing. Even in churches, fundamental ch- churches that are known as being uh, historic, fundamental, independent Baptist churches, where it was hymn singing. Women looked like women, and men looked like men, and and uh, they 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 had a to some extent a strong focus on the Bible, and in many churches now the circles that I I consider myself to be in, this isn't a problem there. They don't go into debt. Um, I, I can name a few churches right now that are, are including our own our home church. They're building a new building. It'll be done. The Lord will provide for it, or it won't get built. That's it. There is no, there is no. Well, we're going to take on a little bit of debt, or we're going to take on a lot of debt to get this building that we believe the Lord wants us to have, but won't pay for. <laughs> that that's not going to happen. Either the Lord's going to provide for it, or we're not going to have it. We'll we'll make do with what we have. And those churches are are flourishing. Those churches have good, strong standards. Those churches are in depth Bible believing, Bible teaching churches. They are producing strong Bible-believing men. They have several men out in the mission field, several men starting churches back home. I mean, there's, uh, they're thriving. They're doing great. But then as I venture outside, you know, these as you go into these concentric circles and you start venturing outside that little circle of people, because that's a very small group. And that's Cornerstone Baptist in Carthage, our, my home church, Bible Baptist, Brent Logan in, in Sweet Springs, uh, Capital City would be part of that. Uh, I mean, there's just, it's a small group. And then you venture outside of that into kind of the, uh, you know, you get into a different circle of churches that are kind of teetering on the line, and it's frustrating to see as they take on the debt or as they as they uh, put more of a focus on bringing money in, the standards go out the out the window and and convictions it, go out the window. But it doesn't have to. If you have your theology right, you cannot change your theology. Mm-hmm. 
And this is, this is what scares me. We was talking earlier about, you know, different passages of, of Scripture and how that may say this or may say this and whatnot. If you have your theology down, it don't change. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, I, I change not. So no matter what the world says, that's my theology. That's where I draw the line. And you find people, they can't draw the line. You ask them where they, where they are on this, and they cannot tell you. And if they can't tell you, it's, it's because they're leaving that door open to where they can change. Mm-hmm. And when you start changing theology, there's no stopping. Right. And that's got to, that has to take a strong pastor, a strong leader mm-hmm. that is going to toe the line because the temptation that is there to, to change doctrine or to change standards or convictions to please people. I mean, it's, it's as old as yeah. the Old Testament. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's just always been there. Man. And, and, and that's why you, you've got to, you know, like you said, it doesn't have to be, but you, you've got to have a, a man of God who's going to stand there and, and be able to say to those who have the money, we're not going go. that direction. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. If that's what you feel, go, you know, and, and that's, we, we had a, uh, we had a guy at Capital City who's, he's a millionaire, was a member of the church and, um, you know, his, his tithe was quite substantial, you know, and, um, well, you know, I can't get tax slips every year to show that I've given this to the church. Well, then I'm going to go. Yeah. Okay. Go. See you later. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you, when you have, when you have a leader who going back to theology, going back to the, you know, this is what is right. We're not going to be influenced by that. Uh, that's, that's what you got to have. And, and sadly, um, there's a lot of, of guys out there that because of the, the, the mentality of having the bigger and the better. And that's, I, I, even, even here in Uganda, you know, I've had some missionaries come in and say, well, you know, we have to really, I, I've seen missionaries here in Uganda go into debt to build buildings here because, well, look at how nice the Catholic buildings are. Look at how nice the Anglicans. And if we don't build the nice buildings, people aren't going to come. Well, think about what you just said. Yes. Why are they coming then? Right. All right. Mm-hmm. God's word was never about buildings. Right. All right. It's about soul winning. It's about discipleship. And I'm not against the buildings when the people build them. But, you know, that, that, that whole philosophy of we have to have it now because if we don't have it now, the people are not going to come. It's, I've seen it happen here. And then, so you build a very nice structure, but you have nobody in it, you know, because, you know, because it's all about the building. And you're never going to be able to compete with with the money of false religion. Right. And, and so right. it's, right. yeah. Well, well Brother Brian, Brian where, where, you know, maybe, you know, maybe tell people where you are now and kind of what's going on in your life now and... And uh, what do you see? I mean, you're still serving the Lord, so what is what is the future? Yeah, we had to quit uh, uh, 
teaching there at West Coast because of physical problems and and uh, went back to Ohio. I'm working with my son. He's my pastor, Andrew, uh, there at uh, First Baptist Church in Eaton. And I do anything I can there for him. I, I try not to pastor. I try to stay out a little <laughs> bit, you know, and a little bit more on the fringe and uh, so that the people in the church are answering questions and they're, you know, getting involved. Uh, and there I told him right off the start, I said, you don't have to ask me to pray for a service ever if you don't want to, because the men need to. He said, I appreciate that. So, And that's kind of the way we work. Mm-hmm. I, I help him whenever I can. Uh, we started a country roads ministry. Uh, I couldn't go door knocking because of my feet, but I can drive to a house out in the country. And, you know, I'm, I, I still consider myself a missionary. This is a forgotten people. Whenever, whenever Capsule City, Cornerstone, all these, whenever they go sowing, and usually it's in the town. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I'm not sure. faulting them. There's nothing wrong with going door knocking in the city and in, in, in towns, but that's, that's where everybody stops. They don't go out into the country. I was out there 26 years, knew nothing except what they, you know, told me. And I had to go all the way to Spain to hear the gospel to get saved. Mm-hmm. And it's always been a burden on my heart. So my wife and I, we, we started Country Road Ministry. And when I can get out, uh, get out uh, of the house and the chair and all that, and I, we picked a road. Right now we're on Lexington. And, and you go down the road and you visit every house on the on the right side if they're not there we have a door knocker door hanger thing with the country road we'll come back and see you later and we make a note then we go to the next one if we're able to leave a packet of information we give them the done book we give them tracks we've written all kinds of material and stuff to to where it meets each one of their needs and there's a lot of german baptists back there i'd never heard of them before but really german baptists uh, are kind of like the Amish. Uh, okay. Don't believe in internal security. I mean, they're it's different. But they'll read. So we put a book in there, and we put the information and stuff. And mm-hmm. and if we can talk to them and witness to them, fine. If not, we're making a friend. We're just you know casual. I mean, I talk farm talk. So <laughs> yeah. we you know I'm on the same page. And we go to the next one. We tell them, look, just we'll leave this packet of information. We'll come back in about two weeks and and uh, see how you liked it. If you got any questions or nothing, if not, we'll just have a cup of coffee. And so, uh, and some of the ladies bake pies, glory to God. <laughs> but, you know, we systematically go down when we're at about 10 miles or however many on that particular road. Then we'll come back on the other side. Then after we do that, then we go on the side roads, and we are systematically yeah. covering about a 10-mile radius around Eaton with people that nobody ever go out there and tell them about the Lord. Hmm. They're forgotten people. Yeah. And so that's what we do. I preach out a lot. I, I preach mission conferences and family conferences. Uh, you know, we, go, we get back. I go to Montana. Uh, then I go down to California, then I'm back in Ohio, then I'm back in Atlanta, and somebody said I need to retire again. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we're staying busy. I pray Amen. for my pastor that he'll get sick so I can fill in for him preaching, Amen. you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I fill in for other guys that are, you know, out there. I'm, I'm able to walk now. I mean, not long and not good, you yeah. know, but, uh, now, if you, if you don't mind, uh, you, you developed a, a, uh, a physical condition and that was the reason you had to end up leaving yeah. Uganda. What, what was that and what's the current there's, status? There's two things. One of them is, uh, severe peripheral neuropathy from my knees down. My legs are dead. Mm. I'm just swinging around 20 pound weights. I say 20 pounds, uh, probably more, but I, I like to be on the diet. Sure, sure. Then in, in my feet, it, it's called corporal tunnel syndrome, but there's a nuance to it. All of the shielding on my nerves in my feet have disappeared, gone. Hmm. So I'm walking on bare nerves. <laughs> These rocks you guys have uh, just kill me, wow. you know? You know, like when you have on the sidewalk in the corner, there's a yellow, all them dots for the blind that says you're at the corner. I walk completely around them. That send me right through the roof. It's just like driving knives through the bottom of your feet. So that's why I had to leave the mission field. And I I would fall all over the place. And several times I fell off the top of the van and stuff. And my equilibrium is not good and stuff. So with all that, to, not to hurt our ministry, uh, we went ahead and went back, and I and I was able to teach at West Coast, and but the it got to where the, just like lightning bolts going down through your feet, the the nerve just oh man, I didn't I didn't lose my concentration, I couldn't remember where I was teaching stuff like that, and and you're in you're in a good college, you don't want to. Bring a bad testimony. And when you're in pain, you get sharp. <laughs> and yeah. I ripped the face off Sharper. a few students. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, used to, I ripped the face off a few students a couple of times, and I had to go back and apologize to them. Right. But uh, I just found that I, it was at the point that I just I couldn't continue there. Right. Since then, I've found some medication. And that's, I mean, I was in a wheelchair when I went back to Ohio. I mean, I was down. Wow. Yeah, but I'm walking. Amen. And so I'm, I'm able to do some, do whatever I can. And I never thought I'd see Africa again. Yeah, but here we yeah. are. Here we are. <laughs> well, I'm glad you you got to come back, and glad you got to sit down with you. Uh, we, my wife and I, probably watched that video that West Coast made of you giving your testimony uh, probably a hundred times. <laughs> it was it was a blessing, and um, uh, you know. I'd, a big part of the reason that we are off and running right now is because of what you came here and did and the children that you raised. And, and, I'll, and I'll, I mean, all that is a rippling effect. And so we appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. And, uh, and brother Keith, you are still just trucking along and, uh, you, yeah, you got churches you're working with here in the Masaka area. Ministry yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and you guys just came back from Kalido. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I I don't know if people understand the dynamic of the two places that you work in, which are about eight hours apart. Um, can you give a little, uh, some, some details of the work here in the Masaka area in this region and Pastor Kasaja and what you've got going on up there and just maybe, maybe kind of 
help people understand the difference between the two and, and, and what you got going on? Um, well, here in Masaka, we, um, we work with the, uh, the Baganda tribe primarily. And uh, we've got uh, our main church here, uh, Masaka Independent Baptist Church, is in the town. That's kind of where we base out of uh, our operations. Um, pastor Paul Serenjoji's the pastor of the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, since turning the work over to a national, that has enabled me to have more freedom to assist um, the churches that have been started out of our church. So we have uh, right at 12 churches uh, in this area that we work with. And so usually each weekend I'm in one of those churches. And then once a month, uh, we go up to the northeastern part of Uganda uh, in a place called Kalido, and uh, God brought that ministry to us. Perfect timing uh, because we we were able to go up there. We've got about thirty five churches up there um, that we're working with, and uh, when we come back uh, in just a little while, I'm having to take my wife back to the states to get some finish her surgery on her eye. But when we come back, uh, we're going to really uh, even. Put, us, put ourselves in the fifth gear almost up there where we've been mostly just working the TBI, uh, bringing the guys in, uh, you know, once every three months. But now doing up there what we're doing here, we're getting out into the different churches and not just generally helping them, but specifically helping uh, these specific churches uh, with training the men. And about how many are up there? The churches? 35. Yeah, 35 churches up there. And uh, so, so it keeps us busy. We're um, a lot of the men up there have not had a lot of good training, and so we're kind of coming back, you know, to the beginning. I just sat down with uh, ten of the uh, the pastors up there who have been ordained. Probably three fourths of them should have never been ordained, and so sure. I'm trying to go back, and I've given them questionnaires to fill out and I'm saying listen I'm not here trying to throw you out but you know we need I need to know where you are and I need to know where you stand on doctrine and so they're going through that and so in a lot of cases starting fresh trying to teach them and help them you know what is the church all about Um, a lot of the the mentality up there is you know we need land we need buildings and I said no you don't need lands and buildings we need to get discipleship going Mm -hmm. You you need to train your people and uh, so trying to change a lot. And we started out with about 55 churches up there. But when wow. they begin to understand the philosophy we have, then, you know, well, we don't really need to you know. Yeah. And, and I imagine it may even go down even further, you know, once I get in and start seeing them specifically. Um, you know, sometimes you'll have guys that, you know, they'll, they'll be Baptists on the outside, but very heavy Pentecostal influence. And, uh, you know, that's fine until you understand the truth. But if you understand the truth and continue that way, then we've got, we've got a problem there. And so, so it's just, you know, my, my goal, and I thought I'd never say this. My goal is not right now to start more churches, but my goal is to take these 35 up there and the 12 down here and, really work with them because if I can get those churches to stay strong when I'm gone, then they're going to start other churches when Amen. I'm gone. Amen. Right. And, and so that's, that's kind of my ministry, my, our, our ministry right now. 
is uh, is establishing these guys and training these guys, making sure their their, their theology is where it needs to be, uh, their perspective is where it needs to be. And uh, you know, I, I had a guy when we were up there this last time, Pastor. We you know we we've, we've got to have this land so we can have a building. And I and I said, well, how many people are you discipling? Well, you know, none. <laughs> well, we, we've got to rethink this. You know, let's, we got to get back to square one and we've got to say, yeah. all right, let's, and, and I'm, and again, I tell the guys, I'm not here to throw you out. I'm not here to say that God is, doesn't want you to be a pastor. I'm not here to throw water on your ministry, but we got to come back and we got to do it right and then start working our way through it. So that's, that's kind of the, what we're busy yeah. with right now. So, Amen. I agree with that statement. I think when I came to visit in 2020, it seemed to me the biggest need here is not necessarily more churches. I mean, of course, there are there is a need for more churches, but for well-trained men to go and start those churches. It just, there's so many people here who have what seem like valid professions of faith in Jesus Christ and just not enough training. And, um, and you've put a lot of things in place to facilitate that with the Bible school and the Triennial Bible Institute and individual discipleship and, and uh, just all sorts of things. And so, Part of my goal with this room next door is to hopefully increase that even more, just using it to do, to do not only Bible translation, but more teaching and hopefully getting more people grounded and rooted. And, and as we build more ministries out of this church and hopefully have people participate in them, it's not just head knowledge, but now you got to go apply it. <laughs> well, it's, if, if the missionary has a concept that it all revolves around him, he's the church planner. Right. He can, first of all, only go to a certain extent, but then when he leaves, then what? Right. The churches aren't doing it. Go you know, back down to nothing. Yeah. And, and, and I've seen that happen to many of missionaries that have left Uganda <laughs> and uh, where they, why they were there, everything was going well and why they were there, uh, you know, supporting the men and all this kind of stuff. You know, you've got this church. But when they left, they 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 either turn toward Pentecostals and entertainment type thing to keep the churches, or the churches just died because there there was never that concept of first of all discipleship, mm-hmm. and then never the concept of we have a responsibility as a church to start other churches, and uh, and so that's why here we've got just before we came into the program we were talking to Pastor Sabanja, mm-hmm. and uh, again that same concept has been put into him. He's sent out of our church here, started in Bidizi Independent Baptist Church, but now his church is starting three other churches, you know, and and that idea. And then one of those churches that he started have started a preaching point in another village. And Amen. and that's that's the mentality that's got to be put mm-hmm. into these men. Uh, it, it cannot just stop with the missionary. It's got right. to be projected onto the onto the men as they do the work, too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as we wrap it up, um, one of the last things that I like to ask men when I'm doing these interviews is uh, if you could give advice to young people uh, who are who have a desire to serve the Lord, who are really just getting started and getting their bearings about about themselves, what would you tell them that would help them get a good, solid start and moving in the right direction? What advice would you give them? Absolutely develop uh, that personal, everyday relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can be intelligent, 
and, and be ungodly. You can, you can be energetic and get involved in all kinds of things and seemingly get something done. But if you don't have the walk with the Lord, if, if you don't have that personal everyday relationship, that it's more than just getting up and reading your Bible. Mm-hmm. There, there has to be a relationship to where he dictates what you do. He dictates what you think. He, again, it goes back to that theology, your basic theology. Who is God? And, and, and what does he want? If they have a personal relationship with God, I don't care if they go to Bible college, I don't care if they stay and train with their pastor, I don't care if they get married and, and have kids, I don't care if they're, they're working a job, I, no matter what they do, they'll succeed. Mm-hmm. Because that relationship with God, that, that's what gives us our peace, our, our comfort, our joy, our purpose, our everything is in that relationship. And if you neglect that, you may seem to the world like you're successful in this or that or whatever, but you're not. Mm -hmm. And so what's the end? As I told the guys in the Institute, you know, think it through to the end. And, and, and if you don't have that personal relationship with God, you have no end. Mm -hmm. And, you're, if you do, or you're saved, but your end is not going to be where you please the Lord. And so all that you've done is for just a waste. So that one thing, make sure as a young person, when you go to bed at night, you know, you've seen the signs put over your bed, Kit, last thing do kiss me before you go to bed or whatever or will not let go to bed with in anger or, you know all right. kinds of stuff but no if you make sure when you lay your head down on your pillow I am in the will of God I'm doing what God wants I'm obedient to him I'm where he wants me to be I am in the will of God when you wake up the next morning where will you be in the will of God. And so then you get up and I swing my feet out. <laughs> Sometimes if they'll make it. <laughs> and I just sit there a little bit. Mm-hmm. I said, Lord, what is, what is your will for me today? What do you want me to accomplish? I don't care if it's to go in and brush your teeth. You know, I, whatever. Everything we need to do is dictated by what is God's will for me that day. So if I stay in the will of God that day and I go to bed in the will of God that night, I wake up in the will of God and I do this day after day, God is going to be guiding me, directing me. And and if God wants me on the mission field, that's where I'll be. But keeping that that focus on your relationship with God. Dr. Robertson used to say, don't, don't veer off to the left, don't veer off to the right. Straight down the line, boys. <laughs> and that's true. 
You you stay on the will of God, no matter what it is. And and they'll do fine, and they'll they'll be a success no matter what. If they're a plumber, if God wants them to be a plumber, great. I remember when I was going down the road there in Italy, and I I got you guys' attention and said, look, I don't care if you're a plumber, a bricklayer, an electrician, a, a pastor. You don't have to preach a sermon in your life. I, that's, I don't care. But you stay in the will of God. Mm-hmm. You please God with your life. And whatever he has you do, you will be a success, and I will be right there for you. And I, I, I meant that. Right. I still do. <laughs> Brother Keith. Brother Keith. <laughs> <laughs> I follow that. Um, I, you know, no pressure. Uh, definitely what Dad said is, is I would say, the priority. Um, I think if I had any regret in the ministry and, and what I tell young people all the time, whether, you know, whether they go to Bible college, whether they stay at home, serve in their church or whatever, make sure that you serve in your church until your church feels that you're ready to be sent out. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, we did, and, and back when, it, and I understand what was said, you know, it's, you've graduated, get to the field. And, and it was a very big push uh, in, in, the, in my day. He, he did a year of deputation his last year of college. Um, I started the last semester of college. We wanted to get to the field. Well, then we got to the field, and I had no ministry experience. Um, I had no experience in dealing with people. Um, and when I look at the difference, all right, you know these three guys I'm talking about, uh, sent out of our church. You've got Matt Johnson in Mexico. You've got Brother James Hoffmeister in Trinidad. And then you, you've got myself here. I'm just using those three. And when you look at how they took the time to spend a couple years there at Capital City, learning ministry, learning people, how to build ministries, how to, how to build Sunday school, how to build youth groups. And it just, when they got to the field, I believe they were much more effective than when I got to the field because I had to learn everything the hard way. All right. Mm-hmm. And so I would just challenge, and I'm not dogmatic on the two year thing, but I'm just saying the Bible says Paul and Barnabas served in their church until the Holy Spirit of God told the church, you're ready. All right. And I think a lot of times, the problems that many missionaries have is they're coming to the field because they're, they've got that emotional excitement without being prepared. And when they come and they're not prepared and they have to learn everything the hard way and then Africa throws everything that Africa throws against them, you know, they're, they don't have that stamina to stay and it just, and it just seems like they fall apart. And, uh, and I've told you this before, I praise the Lord that, you know, when I came, I had my dad here. And, uh, and he was able to teach me a lot of things on the field that I would have never known. And, you know, things with culture, things with church planting, and a lot of things he and I have learned together, and we've developed a missions philosophy together on these things. But, but I think if I would challenge anybody, uh, whether you're going into youth ministry, whether you're going into pastoring, whether you're going on the mission field, 
Take that time with your home church. Serve with your home church. Get involved in the ministry. Prove yourself. All right? And then let your pastor know when when the Holy Spirit of God works on your heart and the heart of our church that we're ready to go, we're ready to go. And and get back to that to that example. May I say that what he said about the home church, that's the key. I got almost got in trouble because the place where I was at, they were big on internship. And it, where you go to a, a church and they'll have you on staff for a year or two or whatnot. And I, students come to me and say, well, what, what do you think? I said, I think it's the worst thing you could ever do. I said, first of all, you're not going there to intern. You're going there to be a gopher. You just run their buses. They can get anybody to run a bus. You're, you're, you're cutting the grass. That's fine and all that. But unless that pastor agrees to let you sit into all, all of the, the counseling sessions, on the discipling sessions, on the, the building planning sessions, on all the every meeting they've got, and he takes you under his wing and mentors you, don't go. I said, and if you're a missionary, don't go to a church in the States. You go intern with somebody on the field because they're going to, you're not going to learn the things back in the States you can learn on the field. Now, if you're at your home church, you've got a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. Your pastor knows you. He'll bring you in on, on these different things. They're going to be teaching you the, the workings. You can really ask and get some, some straight answers. You're just not a gopher. And so I would really recommend the home church. But if you're going to be a missionary, get to the field uh, for an internship. And then uh, otherwise, if a, if a pastor sees a kid that's going to the mission field and, and this is a sharp kid, he's going to be the next associate pastor. There. <laughs> yeah. And that's wrong. Yeah. 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 It seems the Lord is leading a lot of people to borrow other people's church members yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and bring them on staff. So, uh, amen. Well, I greatly appreciate you taking the time to come and do this. And I think a lot of people will find a lot of value in it and it, it'd be a big help to them. And, and again, I think both of you, my wife and I, we, we've had such a easy time as easy, as easy as can be in Africa <laughs> because of the the people who come before us and, and have been so willing to help us and point us in the right direction. And so I, I encourage people now, I, again, it's, it's brother Keith has been very easy to work with. Not all missionary, not all established missionaries will be so easy to work with and so willing to let a young guy come in and work alongside him. But if you can find that, it is. It has been tremendously valuable and uh, a, a huge help to my wife and I. And uh, I can only imagine where I would be. <laughs> I appreciate your attitude, brother, because not many will submit themselves to anyone else sure. and learn. <clears throat> well, it's been a huge value to us, and uh, I, I, we, we praise the Lord for it. Uh, brother Keith and Miss Sally have bent over backwards to help us, and, and uh, it, it, it is just... All I can say is it's it's invaluable. It's been huge. So I appreciate it. And thank those of you for listening. If you have questions, I'll give you Brother Brian's email and he'll answer them all. <laughs> I'd be happy to. No problem. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening. God bless. 
We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.